بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Starting where we left off last week we spoke about the battle of Uhud and we spoke about some of the events that happened after the battle of Uhud and continuing along that same line about four months after the battle of Uhud a leader from the tribe of Banu Amir and this man his name was Amir ibn Malik and he was known by his kunya Abu Bara so Amir Ibn Malik Abu Bara, he came to Medina and he met with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he presented Islam to him. He told him about Tawheed and he told him about this religion of ours. And Abu Bara was impressed, but he didn't accept Islam at that point. He was impressed with the explanation of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, but he wasn't ready at that point to actually become a Muslim and accept Islam. But he did make a request from the Prophet ﷺ. He asked the Prophet ﷺ, Can you send some of your companions to Banu Amir? Can you actually send a delegation of some of your knowledgeable companions to Banu Amir so that they can present Islam to the tribe? And perhaps the tribe will like this religion and they will accept Islam. And if they accept Islam, then I will also accept Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ, he was excited at this prospect. Perhaps this whole tribe will become Muslim and Alhamdulillah, that would be something that was very good. So the Prophet ﷺ, he was excited about this, but at the same time, he was fearful to send his companions all the way over there to Banu Amir. Because between Medina and Banu Amir, there were many tribes on the path. And many of these tribes were hostile towards Islam. They were enemies of the Muslims. So the Prophet ﷺ feared for the safety of his companions, sending them all the way over there to Banu Amir while they would have to pass through the lands of these different tribes that are hostile towards Islam. But Abu Bara gave a promise of safety. He gave a guarantee to the Prophet ﷺ and he said to the Prophet ﷺ that your men, your companions, they will be under my protection. I give them a guarantee of safety. So this type of a word, when an Arab would give a guarantee of safety to someone, it was considered something that had to be abided by. It was considered a very, very solemn type of promise that must be abided by. And if they don't abide by this promise, it means that they are people who have no honor and it would destroy their reputation. So the Arabs were known for this. If they give a guarantee for protection to someone, then that commitment must be upheld. It was a matter of honor and respect for the Arabs. So Abu Bara, he gave his promise to the Prophet ﷺ that your men, your companions, they are under my protection. So the Prophet ﷺ agreed to this and he actually sent 70 of his companions and these 70 companions were companions that had knowledge of the Quran and of the rulings of Islam because he was sending them to teach those people so of course he sent the knowledgeable companions 
So 70 from the Qurra, from the reciters of the Quran, from the people who had knowledge of the Quran and who had knowledge of the rulings of Islam. The Prophet ﷺ organized a delegation of 70 companions led by Al-Munzir ibn Amr an, and he sent them to go to Bani Amir and present the religion of Al-Islam to them. So Abu Bara, he left Medina and he went back to his people. He went back to Banu Amir and on his way, he informed all of those tribes that Muhammad is going to be sending some men here and those men are under my protection. The men of Muhammad are under the protection of Abu Bara. So he made sure that he announced that on his way back to Banu Amir, back to his tribe. So they were aware that the companions of the Prophet ﷺ were going to pass through this land and they were aware that they had been given a guarantee of protection from Abu Bara. So eventually when the delegation was ready, the Prophet ﷺ sent them towards Banu Amir. And on their way, of course, they passed by a number of tribes. And as we mentioned, there were tribes that were hostile towards Islam. They passed by the tribes of Ra'al and Zakwan and Usayyah. And they also crossed paths with a man named Amir ibn At-Tufayl. And Amir ibn At-Tufayl was a person who hated Islam and he hated the Muslims. And he was also the nephew of Abu Bara. He happened to be the nephew of Abu Bara. So they passed by him on their way as well. They crossed paths with him as well. And of course, this man Amr ibn At-Tufayl, he also had a very high position and a high status with the tribe of Banu Amr. So whenever this group, this delegation of 70 companions of the Prophet ﷺ on their way to Banu Amr, whenever they would pass by any tribe, they would invite them to Islam. They would give da'wah to any tribe, any community that they passed by. So on their way, the Muslim delegation sent one of their own members, a companion named Haram ibn Milhan They sent him with a letter to Amir ibn At-Tufayl, inviting him to Islam. So Haram ibn Milhan, he enters upon Amir ibn At-Tufayl and he gives him this letter inviting him to Islam. Amir ibn At-Tufayl, without even reading the letter, he doesn't even read the letter, he just rips it up and throws it, and he orders one of his men to throw a spear into Haram ibn Milhan, to kill and execute Haram ibn Milhan. This is treachery. It was a well-known principle amongst the Arabs that you do not harm a person who is under a promise of safety from another person. This is something that is considered a betrayal and it is something that is considered a very high form of treachery. But Amir ibn At-Tufayl, he didn't care. Even though the person who had promised safety to these Muslims was Amir ibn At-Tufayl's own uncle. Abu Bara was the uncle of Amir ibn At-Tufayl. But he didn't care about any of that. And he had Haram ibn Milhan executed. So one of his men actually threw a spear into Haram ibn Milhan and it went in through his front and came out of his back. But before Haram ibn Milhan died, he said, Fuztu wa Rabbil Ka'bah. Fuztu wa Rabbil Ka'bah. I have succeeded by the Lord of the Ka'bah. Alhamdulillah, I have succeeded. I have won. So the people were surprised. This man, he has a spear inside him. He's dying. 
And he is saying, I have, I have won. I am victorious. They didn't understand what this could mean because they had no concept of what the Akhirah is. They had no idea about what it means to die fi sabilillah. They had no concept of that, so they didn't understand the words of Haram ibn Milhan when he said, Fuztu wa Rabbil Ka'bah. I have succeeded, I have won by the Lord of the Kaaba. So this was the treachery of Amir ibn al-Tufayl to the Muslims. And he didn't stop only at executing Haram ibn Milhan. Rather, he gathered the tribes of Ra'al and Zakwan and Usayyah. He gathered all of these tribes and he consolidated their men. And he said, we will kill all of these Muslims from this delegation. So they rallied behind Amr ibn al-Tufayl and they actually attacked this Muslim delegation and they killed all of them. 70 men of the Prophet from the knowledgeable Sahaba of the Prophet and they killed all of them except two. And these two happened not to be with the others at that time because they were grazing some camels. So they weren't with the rest of them at that time. So they weren't killed by Amr uh, ibn al-Tufayl and the men of these tribes of Ra'al and Zakwan and Usayya. So two men were able to survive. And when they came back to see their delegation and they saw what had happened, one of them said, I will not leave this place until I die as they have died. I will fight until I die as they have died. So he fought until he was killed. So then there was only one of them remaining. And that one who was remaining was Amr ibn Umayyah al-Dhamri. Amr ibn Umayyah al-Dhamri radiallahu an. So he was taken as a prisoner by Amr ibn al-Tufayl. But then he was released shortly thereafter. He was taken as a prisoner for a while, but then Amr ibn al-Tufayl released him. And why did Amr ibn al-Tufayl release him? Why didn't he kill him? He released him because his mother, Amr ibn al-Tufayl's mother, a while back, she had made a vow. She had made a vow that, <coughs> that she would free someone from the tribe of Banu Damra. She would set free someone from the tribe of Banu Damra. And it happened to be that Amr ibn Umayyah al-Damri was from that very tribe. So in order to fulfill the vow of his mother, Amr ibn al-Tufayl, he released Amr ibn Umayyah al-Damri from his captivity. So Amr ibn Umayyah was able to go free. Now when Amr ibn Umayyah went back, when he was on his way back to Al-Madina, he came across two of the kuffar, two of the disbelievers. And he was able to kill those two disbelievers. And he thought that that would be in recompense to the carnage that they unleashed upon the Muslims. But he didn't know that these two men had been actually given a guarantee of safety by the Prophet ﷺ himself. Amr ibn Umayyah, he didn't know this. And he found these two kuffar and he killed them because he thought that they were from the enemies. But he didn't know that the Prophet ﷺ had actually given them a guarantee of safety. So when this news reached the Prophet ﷺ that these two men had been killed who had been given a promise of safety from the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ, he decided to arrange for 
the diya or the blood money to be paid to their families because of this mistake that was made by Amr ibn Umayyah al-Dhamri unintentionally. So now this whole thing, this whole slaughter of these Muslims, these companions of the Prophet it took a very heavy toll on Abu Bara because Abu Bara is the one who guaranteed their safety. He gave them a promise, promise of safety and then they were killed. So Abu Bara took this as an attack on his own reputation and his own honor. What would the people say about Abu Bara now? That he promises people safety and he's not able to take care or protect those people who he has promised safety to. So he was very upset. This was a matter of pride and a matter of honor. So he actually confronted his nephew, Amir ibn al-Tufail for what he did. And he, he attacked him. He actually struck him with a spear in his shoulder. But it didn't kill him. And before he could strike him again to kill him, the men held him back so that he wouldn't kill him. So Amir ibn al-Tufail was injured by Abu Bara, but he was not killed. But this took such a heavy toll on Abu Bara. He was so stressed out about it and so upset about it that just about a week later, he died from all of the stress. He was so upset and so hurt and so distraught by what had happened that he died just about a week after this happened. So the Prophet ﷺ, of course, losing so many of his companions, he was very, very saddened by this. And just a few months earlier at the Battle of Uhud, he had already lost 70 companions. Now he lost another 70 companions in such a short time span. So it was very difficult for the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims at that time. And the Prophet wasallam he made dua against these people who killed his companions. He made dua against the tribes of Ra'al and Zakwan and Usayyah. He made qunut against them in salah for one month straight. For one month straight, he made dua against these people for what they did to his companions. So this incident is known as Fajiatu Bi'ir Ma'una. It is known as the tragedy of Bi'ir Ma'una because the Muslim encampment was at an area called Bi'ir Ma'una when this incident happened. So it is known as the tragedy of Bi'ir Ma'una where the Prophet lost a number of his companions due to this betrayal and this treachery by Amir ibn al-Tufail and the tribes of Ra'al, Zakwan, and Usayyah. Now, around the same time as the incident of Bi'r Ma'una, around the same time period as this incident or this tragedy of Bi'r Ma'una, another incident happened as well. And there was a loss of Muslim lives in this incident as well. And this is known as Hadithatul Raji'. The incident of Ar-Raji'. So there were two tribes, two relatively weak tribes. They were not very strong or powerful tribes. And the names of these two tribes were Udal and Al-Qarra. And they had a lot of hostility and enmity towards Islam and towards the Muslims. So they wanted to actually attack Medina. Like we mentioned, after the Battle of Uhud, many of these tribes, they thought that this is a good opportunity. The Muslims have been weakened 
this is a good opportunity for us to go and attack Medina. So even these smaller and less powerful tribes like Udal and Al Qarra, they had these type of thoughts in their mind as well. Maybe we can go and maybe we can attack Medina. But Udal and Al Qarra, they knew that they were not very powerful tribes and they knew that they couldn't go into Medina on their own and attack Medina. So they actually asked for some assistance from the tribe of Hudayl. But Hudayl, the tribe of Hudayl, they said, no way, we're not with you in this. And the reason why they declined to assist Udal and Al-Qarra in this pursuit is because if you remember, we spoke about it last week, they had had this idea already before. The tribe of Hudayl, they had an idea or they had a plan to actually attack Medina and their leader, Sufyan ibn Khalid al-Hudali, he prepared a huge army, but the Prophet sent an expedition of one man, Abdullah ibn Unais to go and infiltrate them in their own land and to kill, to assassinate their leader, Sufyan ibn Khalid al-Hudali. And Abdullah ibn Unais he was able to fulfill this mission and he executed or he assassinated Sufyan ibn Khalid al-Hudali, the leader of those people. So when Udal and Al-Qarra, these tribes, they came to Hudayl for help and they said, can you help us and we'll all go together and we will attack Medina. Hudayl declined. They said, no, we're not going to do it because our leader was killed by the Muslims even while we were still in our own land. He infiltrated us and killed our leader in our own land. So what do you think would happen if we actually went to their land? We went to their turf in Medina. What would happen to us there? So they said, no, we don't want to participate with you in this. So Udal and Al-Qarra, these two tribes, they decided to come up with another plan to harm the Muslims. So they actually sent a delegation to Medina with some members from the tribe of Udal and some members from the tribe of Al-Qarra they formed a delegation and they went to Al-Madinah under the pretense that they had accepted Islam and they wanted to learn about Islam from the Prophet But they really were not Muslims. They were just pretending to be Muslims. So they came into Medina and they told the Prophet Ya Rasulullah, we have accepted Islam and they prayed alongside the Muslims behind the Prophet wasallam, and they acted as if they were Muslims. Eventually they said to the Prophet wasallam, they said, Ya Rasulullah, can you send some of your knowledgeable companions to our tribes, to Udal and Al-Qarra, so that they can invite our tribes to Islam and perhaps they will accept Islam and that would be something that is good. So the Prophet wasallam, he was excited by this prospect, maybe these tribes, Udal and Al-Qarra, maybe they will accept Islam. So Alhamdulillah, this is something good. And these munafiqeen, these people who were pretending to be Muslims from the tribe of, of Udal and Al-Qarra, they guaranteed to the Prophet wasallam. they said, Ya Rasulullah, your men, whoever you send, they will be under our protection. We guarantee them safety. So the Prophet ﷺ decided to send a small delegation to these tribes. He sent a delegation of six men. And they were six from the very knowledgeable companions of the Prophet ﷺ. They were Marthad ibn Abi Marthad, Khalid ibn al-Bukair, Asim ibn Thabit. And remember Asim ibn Thabit. If you remember from the Battle of Uhud, he was one of the very courageous soldiers 
who killed two of the flag bearers of the kuffar early on in the battle. Asim ibn Thabit radiallahu Khubayb ibn Adi, Zayd ibn ad and Abdullah ibn Tariq. These were the six men that the Prophet sent to the tribes of Udal and Al-Qarra. So they went, they left Medina and they went towards Udal and Al-Qarra. When they got close to the tribes of Udal and Al-Qarra, they were betrayed by the people who had promised to protect them. These fake Muslims, they revealed themselves for who they really were. And they gathered 200 men surrounding these six men. And then these six men, this Muslim delegation, they said, what about the promise that you gave? What about the guarantee of safety that you gave to us? And then these treacherous betrayers, they said, there is no safety for you. There is no covenant for you. And they said to them, we are 200 and you are just six people. You should surrender now. And if you surrender now, we promise we will not kill you. We just have some prisoners from our own tribes that are with the Quraysh. And we want to take you as prisoners and we want to make an exchange. We want to take our people from the Quraysh and we will give you to them in exchange. This is all we want to do. We won't kill you. So these six companions, they differed amongst themselves. What should we do? They are 200 men and we are only six. So three of them, Marthad ibn Abi Marthad and Khalid ibn al-Bukair and Asim ibn Thabit, they said we should not surrender. We should not surrender to these disbelievers. Rather, we should fight and kill as many of them as we can. And then even if we die, okay, we die. And then there were three of them and they were Khubayb ibn Adi and Zayd ibn Ad-Dathinna and Abdullah ibn Tariq. They said, look, we should just surrender and let them exchange us for their prisoners with the Quraysh. And perhaps maybe the Quraysh will make some type of a deal with the Prophet ﷺ. Maybe we'll be released. You know, let's just at least see what happens. So they were divided. What should we do? Three on three. So these three who decided not to surrender, they said, no, we're just going to fight. So Marthad ibn Abi Marthad and Khalid ibn al-Bukair and Asib ibn Thabit, they fought. So Marthad was killed. And Khalid was killed, but they were having a hard time with Asim ibn Thabit. They couldn't get near him. Whoever would get near him, they would be killed. Whoever would get near Asim ibn Thabit, they couldn't get to him except that they were killed. So they decided, okay, we will kill him from afar. So they started throwing rocks and stones at him from a distance until they were actually able to kill him. So when they killed Asim ibn Thabit, if you remember, Asim ibn Thabit on the, the day of the battle of Uhud, when he killed two brothers who were flag bearers of the kuffar, their sister, the sister of these two brothers, Sulafa bint Abi Talha, she witnessed with her own eyes Asim ibn Thabit killing two of her brothers. So she called out to the people, whoever kills Asim ibn Thabit and brings me his skull, then I will take that skull and I will drink wine from his skull. And then I will return the skull back to you filled with gold. So there was a big price on the head of Asim ibn Thabit. So when they killed Asim ibn Thabit, they said, okay, this is our chance. We'll cut off his head 
and we'll take his skull and we will deliver the skull to Sulafa bint Abi Talha. So that was their plan. But when they wanted to get near his body, a huge swarm of bees came around the body of Asim ibn Thabit. So whenever they would try to come near his body, the bees would come and, and attack them. So they couldn't get near his body. So they said to themselves, okay, let's just wait until the evening. When the evening comes, the bees will go away and then we'll do it at that time. So they waited and when the evening came, the bees were still there and the sky started to get dark. These dark clouds started to form in the sky and it started to rain very heavily. A huge downpour of rain. It rained so much that it caused flooding. And from that flooding, the water came by the body of Asim ibn Thabit and it swept him away. It swept his body away. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected his body. And Asim ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu, he is known as Dafinullah. Dafinullah, the one who was buried by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the kuffar were never able to find his body and they were never able to take his head to Sulafa bint Abi Talha. As for the three who decided not to fight, those three who decided not to fight, they were Khubayb ibn Adi and Zayd ibn Ad-Dathinna and Abdullah ibn Tariq. Out of these three, when they were on their way going towards Mecca to make the exchange, Abdullah ibn Tariq, he had a change of heart. He said, no, I don't think we should surrender. These are people who have no amana. They have no honor. Who knows what's going to happen? And even if they do surrender us to the Quraysh, the Quraysh is just going to kill us anyways. So it's better to go down fighting rather than just to surrender and be killed. So Abdullah ibn Tariq, عن, he was able to get loose and he was able to snatch a sword of one of the captors and he was able to start fighting. So he fought until he was killed. So now there are only two of the six remaining. They are Zayd ibn Ad-Dathinna and Khubayb ibn Adi So they were actually taken to Mecca and they were exchanged for the prisoners of the Quraysh, the prisoners that the Quraysh had for these tribes. So now Zayd and Khubayb are the prisoners of the Quraysh and the time came for the execution of Zayd ibn Ad-Dathinna. So when they were about to execute him, Abu Sufyan was present at that time and Abu Sufyan said to Zayd, he said, don't you wish that Muhammad was in your place right now and that you were at home safe with your family? Don't you wish you could trade places with Muhammad? And Zayd ibn Ad-Dathinna radiallahu an, showing his love for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said, Wallahi, I would not feel comfortable to be home with my family even if a thorn were to prick Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in his own house. So they executed Zayd ibn Ad-Dathinna. And Abu Sufyan, he said, Wallahi, مَا رَأَيْتُ مِنَ النَّاسِ أَحَدًا يُحِبُّ أَحَدًا كَحُبِّ أَصْحَابِ مُحَمَّدٍ مُحَمَّدًا He said, I have never seen from the people anyone who love another person as much as the companions of Muhammad love Muhammad. As for the other prisoner, Khubayb ibn Adi radiallahu anhu, he was kept imprisoned for some time and he was kept in the house of one of the mushrikeen of the Quraysh. 
And the woman of that household, she used to see Khubayb as a prisoner, but still he spent all of his time in ibadah, praying, making dua, doing zikr. So she saw him in this state. And it was also noticed from Khubayb that he would have these karamat, these miraculous events that would happen with him. When they would come to serve him food, when they would come to serve him food, the mushrikeen would come with his food, they would see that he has grapes with him. That Khubayb has these grapes with him. He's a prisoner and he has these grapes. They didn't serve him these grapes. So they were like, where did you get these grapes from? Who is bringing you this stuff? Where are you getting it from? And Khubayb said, it is from Allah. It is from Allah. So these were some of the karamat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows to his friends. While Khubayb was imprisoned, at one point, the young son of the woman of the house, he was playing with a knife. A little boy and he's playing with a knife. And Khubayb knew that this is a danger to this young boy. So he took the boy and he took the knife away from him. And then the woman, the mother of this boy, she entered and she saw this scene. She saw Khubayb with her son and with a knife in his hand. So she got very scared. She was like, what is he going to do? What's going to stop him from killing my son? He is a prisoner. He has nothing to, lo to lose. He can kill my son. So she got scared. But instead of doing anything, Khubayb, he sent the boy back to his mother and he gave the knife to the woman. Showing the akhlaq of a Muslim even in a difficult situation like this, even being a prisoner. So when the time finally came for Khubayb to be executed, before they took him for execution, he asked them, I would like permission just to make a short prayer. And they said, okay, you have permission to make a prayer. So Khubayb before his execution, he prayed two raka'at. He wanted the last thing that he does in this world to be, to be salah before his execution. So he made these two raka'at and he made them short. He didn't make them very long. And when he finished, he said to the kuffar who are about to execute him, he said, Wallahi, I would have made it longer, but the only reason I shortened it was so that you wouldn't think that I am afraid of you killing me. So then before they executed him, he made dua against them. Allahumma ahsihim adada. And Abu Sufyan hearing this, he got scared. And he had his son Muawiyah with him. And he pushed, he threw Muawiyah to the ground. Because the kuffar of the Quraysh, they had this belief that if someone makes a dua against you, if you quickly go down to the ground, that this dua will not affect you. This was one of their superstitious beliefs. And before Khubayb was executed, he said some famous lines of poetry. He said, He said, I don't care. As long as I am being killed as a Muslim, I don't care in which way I am killed. As long as I am being killed in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A beautiful line of poetry that he said before he was killed. And then they executed 
Khubayb ibn Adi radiyallahu an. So this was an incident, the hadithah al-raji' an incident of betrayal that the kuffar enacted against the Muslims. So you can see that these two incidents, Fajiah bi'ir ma'una, the tragedy of bi'ir ma'una, and then hadithat al-raji' the incident of al-raji' you can see that these were two very painful incidents for the Prophet and for the Muslims. And for this to happen so shortly after the Battle of Uhud, it was a very difficult time period for the Muslims. The Prophet lost 70 of his companions at Uhud, then he lost 70 at Bi'r Ma'una, and then another six here at Ar-Raji'ah. So difficult times, difficult times for the Prophet and for the Muslims. Next week, inshallah, we will speak about some of the events that led to the expulsion of the Jewish tribe of Banu Nadir from Al-Madinah. Inshallah, we will speak about some of the incidents that led to that expulsion next week, bi-idhnillah. Wallahu alam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.